As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome back in, everyone, to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. Thank you all for joining us here on the Athletic Podcast Network. And with me, as always, is my podcast partner, Matthew Fairburn. And this week, or within the next week, uh, a very big day will happen in the NFL, which is the trade deadline on Tuesday, November 3rd. And, of course, that's a, that's a huge thing for the Bills because... You know, by by that point, they will at least be five and three, if not six and two, depending on what happens in the Patriots game. And they could be in a position where they sit, they think to themselves, "Okay, well, uh, we are maybe a piece away that to reach the goals of a division title, a, a potentially winning a playoff game or two. Uh, I'm sure Brandon Bean is kind of tossing around a lot of different ideas in his head. So since this will be the last time we speak with you guys um, in a non-post-game setting, figured it's a good time to kind of go over some of the trade deadline options that the Bills have, some of the needs that they have, maybe what what we view the, the needs, uh, their needs uh, coming up here, and maybe even some tradable assets on their own roster that, that could happen. So um, I think the the good place to start here is with uh, is with what the Bills could look to bring in, which also brings us to the where are the Bills the weakest right now and what could have the biggest impact on their season moving forward. So I'll I'll leave it open ended to you to to kick us off here. In in your mind, Matthew, what is the biggest need that realistically the Bills could address in the trade deadline in your mind? Yeah, it's tough because they don't have a ton of salary cap space. And I think that's kind of a bit, you know, a lot of people wondering like, oh, why were they sitting on the sidelines for Everson Griffin and Carlos Dunlap? I think they need to be selective about this. They need to, Mm -hmm. they can only really address probably one spot in any sort of significant way. Uh, unless they find some some cheap uh, assets to trade for. And 
I, I felt like that would have been redundant to get an Everson Griffin or a Carlos Dunlap. You know, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison have not been the problem for this team. And, you know, with the, the money aspect of it, he would have been cutting it close against the salary cap. I, I've, I got a few questions about whether the Bills would trade for Stephon Gilmore, who has been rumored to be on the block. And it just doesn't make sense. No uh, shot. You know, you can't, no shot. I, you'd have to move around a lot financially to even make it work. And he doesn't even, right. you're not getting the most out of Stephon Gilmore in a scheme like this one, where he's not going to be pressing at the line of scrimmage a lot like he does uh, in New England. So also they moved on from him. Exactly. This, <laughs> let's, let's they, not forget that. you know, they saw what he was going to make on the open market and decided that was one of their first decisions. Now, obviously, they're mm-hmm. in a different place now than they were a few years ago. They're more of a contender. So, um, but I think the fit is just not, you don't get out of Stefan Gilmore what you can in a different scheme. And that's fine. That's not an indictment on Stefan Gilmore or the scheme. It's just reality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're going to pay that type of money for a guy that is going to want another contract like that when this one is up because he's still playing at a high level, that, Moves like that don't make sense. Same goes for the defensive ends I mentioned. Um, yes, there's a lot of talented players that, that could be on the move. Um, you know, in these, you know, last week obviously a few trades got made, and in the in the coming days, but really they're they're you know under five million in cap space at this point. Mm-hmm. So you can't really do a whole lot with that, and not just you have to ask yourself, all right. Are you trading for a guy that's on an expiring contract? Because that's fine. You could probably make that work under the cap, um, you know, for a reasonable deal. But if you're trading for a guy that has multiple years left on his contract, they don't have a, a lot of room uh, to to be doing that. Uh, they have a lot of their own players uh, to to think about. And when they have as many assets as they do tied up in the defensive line, it's tough to justify, you know, taking another big swing on one of those defensive ends. It's, it's why I think... To me, if I'm looking at what they could do at the deadline, I think about that one technique spot because it's yep. it's where they don't really have an answer. Uh, not a good answer anyway, not an answer that they're comfortable with, clearly, um, given what they've done with Harrison Phillips the last few weeks. So if they could find a cheap guy, whether it's somebody like Don Terry Poe, who, who was recently released, or we've talked about Dalvin Tomlinson, somebody cheap, mm-hmm. somebody, uh, you know, who needs to, to recapture some of their, I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson has been playing well, uh, in the case of Poe, you would hope that, uh, he could rekindle some old magic, um, you know, because he hasn't been playing particularly well, but something like that makes a lot more sense to me than some sort of big swing. I get that this is a contending team and the idea is make a swing while you have a contending team, but there's not a lot of swings to be had when you have the salary cap situation that they do. Yeah. I mean, they can still take a big swing. It's just not going to be on a veteran player because there's a lot of younger players on the final year of their deal on pretty poor teams that you would sit there and go, okay, well, if they're not going to re-sign those players or or you can get their, them for a pick, then it makes sense from a couple of different perspectives. One, you get them in and get them for the final eight games of the season, which is a, a big, big thing for a lot of teams, especially contending ones like the Bills. And secondly, by not re-signing that player, you could potentially put yourself in the compensatory pick 
formula, which the Bills should be a part of in in this year's uh, in this year's off season because they're going to be losing quite a few free agents, and it doesn't really look like they're going to be in a in a major position of strength to sign players uh, on in free agency based on their lacking cap space. So I think a guy like, and I know we've talked about him a lot, but a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson just makes so much sense to me. And I'm in total agreement with you about the one technique defensive tackle role. I think it is by leaps and bounds their biggest need right now. And that's even ahead of nickel corner where Taron Johnson has struggled this season. Actually thought he had a, a really nice game against the Jets, but again, it's the Jets. So take it with a grain of salt, but it's a good step forward for him. I think the most that one technique spot is by far the most impactful they can have because if they solve that spot, then it it has like a, a domino effect here where you have a one technique that you can plug in potentially next to Ed Oliver. By doing that, it means that Ed Oliver is playing the three technique the majority of the time, which is what he should be, and which is what he did against the Jets. They reversed course from what they had him do against the Chiefs, which is a good thing. And <laughs> not coincidentally, he uh, he had one of his best games of the season. It also allows you to keep Vernon Butler, Vernon Butler in a three technique role, which is where he's best. And, you know, you'll you'll have either Justin Zimmer or Harrison Phillips if they don't trade him um, at, at that second one technique role. And then as for Quentin Jefferson, he then becomes the hybrid defensive lineman and of the vision that they had him in the first place. So having that having that possibility of having him line up at three techniques, some snaps, having him line up at, at defensive end, other snaps. And just really being a, a pass rushing specialist, Jefferson was really supposed to be a a key part to replacing Lorenzo Alexander, and they just haven't been able to do that out of necessity. So that's the domino effect just by that position. And additionally, it helps the defensive ends play the run a bit better. It certainly helps the linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, and AJ Klein play against the run a lot better. So it just seems to me that having adding that player or that position that can help so many other spots it just seems like a no-brainer to address and if they can convince the Giants with a a good enough draft pick to deal them Dalvin Tomlinson they should do that and run and then you know probably not re-sign him in the offseason which some Bills fans might not like but they would still be putting themselves in to recoup that that uh that pick so yeah I'm I'm all aboard for that for that one technique spot and 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 the other part to this is it makes other players on that defensive line expendable to trade to get a to get a draft pick back in itself whether it be Trent Murphy, which we'll get into uh, later in the episode, and Harrison Phillips, who just seems like he's not really in their plans at the moment, or maybe even for the long term. We'll see. So yeah, the the one technique role, and you look at you look at Tomlinson, um, Tyler Davison is a, another low costing option from Atlanta, and the Falcons are probably uh, not going to contend this year. So there, there are some options out there for the Bills to try and go after that, that would fill that spot. Yeah, it's an interesting 
domino effect, like you said, because it, it does solve a lot of problems if you have even a competent player in that spot. Right. And, you know, what's interesting to me is, you know, I, I did another mailbag uh, this week over at The Athletic that just posted before we started recording this. And it's always it's been a fun exercise the last few weeks because people always bring up interesting topics that get you thinking. And, you know, when people ask about the future salary cap and you look at you know, how interesting next off season is going to be from a decision-making standpoint and all these mm. different decisions they have to make while they've committed so much money to the defensive line. They're really, they, they have a lot of flexibility in a lot of these free agent contracts that they've handed out. Really the guys that they're locked into are Dion Dawkins, Stefan Diggs, Tredavious White, you know, these new contracts they handed out, but they're also locked into star um, because of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dead cap kind of getting pushed down the road a little bit because um, he opted out of this season. So, you know, a, a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson, he might be good enough where you're like, man, they should keep this guy, but they probably wouldn't be able to because of mm-hmm. the resources they already have tied up there. Uh, but to your point, that just makes them a potential contender for a, a compensatory pick, which could wipe out whatever they spend on him. I guess it depends how much he's going to cost. And, Really, how much can the Giants be asking for when, um, you know, they're in a spot where they're not going to be contending and they might not be able to re-sign him anyways? So right. um, there's while the Bills are kind of backs against the wall a little bit with the salary cap right now and maybe heading into the offseason, there's also I mean, name a player and they can save money by cutting them, essentially, other than about five <laughs> yeah. guys. It's it's kind of. Uh, interesting when you look at it, they could save over eight million by cutting John Brown, more than six million by cutting Mario Addison, um, seven million with Jerry Hughes, five million with Jordan Poyer, six point eight with Vernon Butler. Like, it, there's a lot of money to be saved on some of these players. Now, of course, you cut all those players, you're losing a lot of talent. So it's a it's going to be a, a pick and choose situation where. Um, they look to save some money. There's going to be, and it's going to be around the league too, right? It's not just going to be the Bills. If right now there haven't been a lot of fans in the stands, so there's going to be uh, a reduced salary cap at best. Will it go all the way down mm-hmm. to 175 million? Maybe not. But I, I think when Brandon Bean said, you know, they were going to assume that would be it until they saw otherwise, that was the smart move. And I don't know if it's going to be a whole lot higher than that. Um, I think. I don't know how that was calculated. You know, was that based on if the season got cut short uh, or if they weren't able to play? But if right. it was based on a full season just with no fans, then that's kind of what they're dealing with. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And it's all part of the balancing the short and long term of what they're doing right now. Because I think while they have to be cognizant of what the long term salary cap picture looks like and the potential problems they could have going into next off season or decisions at least that they have to make. I also think they do need to look at this as an extremely, extremely good opportunity. And I don't think they should take it lightly because, mm-hmm. you know, there's this idea that there is, you've heard the term, I'm sure this week, uh, our listeners have heard it and read it a million times a changing of the guard in the AFC East. (laughs) Yes. Here's the thing about that. That doesn't mean, you know, I I think there's, 
it seems like it's being said in the context of like, oh, the Patriots had this run, their turn is over, now the Bills are going to pick it up and have a run. What the Patriots did over the last 25 years, 20, 25 years, is unheard of. They've won the division 19 times since the Bills last won it. Like, that type of sustained success in a division is, quite frankly, unheard of. Just because the Bills might win it this year and should win it this year doesn't mean the Patriots won't be back in a position of strength a year or two from now. It doesn't mean that the Dolphins won't, you know, like teams won't take turns or whatever winning the division. That said, they have a great opportunity this year. Uh, They are absolutely Mm -hmm. the team to beat in the division this year and should be the favorites, you know, in the second half of the season, especially if they win this weekend. But to assume it'll be that way in 12 months, 24 months is a dangerous game to play because things can change fast in the NFL. So to to look too much towards the future could be missing the window. You know, if you're like, well, I don't want to give up a fourth round pick for Dalvin Tomlinson. It's like, if that could be the difference, maybe don't worry about the fourth round pick right now. Right. You know, look at who fourth round picks have turned into, uh, you know, over the last few years. It's not like, um, you know, it's pretty hit or miss. So, yeah, I think there's a, a, a weird balancing act that has to go on here, but I, I just feel like there is such a such a window here, and you don't know how long it's going to be open. And it's not to say that um, it's Super Bowl or bust this year because they are set up with some young assets and, and should be a team that's at least in the mix for the next few years, but you just don't know how long that window stays open and if the opportunity will ever be as good as it is right now again. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot of valor to that. And we've seen Brandon Bean get aggressive at the trade deadline before with the Kelvin Benjamin deal, which ended up not going well for him or the Bills uh, back in 2017. But he really saw a window there. The Bills, I believe, were what, five and two at the time that they made the the uh the Kelvin Benjamin trade. And then obviously they dropped their next three. It spent it was that three-game stretch where the defense couldn't stop anything that we've heard about nonstop the last couple of weeks. Um, but, but yeah, that's what that's what followed. They wound up getting to the playoffs anyway with a nine and seven record with a little bit of luck. We know how that story went. But that doesn't take away the point that when Brandon Bean sees a window, he will make a deal to try and help the team along at a at a major area of need. That year, the Bills had next to nothing at wide receiver, and they thought that they were adding a player for either Tyrod Taylor or Nathan Peterman at the time to be able to get them to the playoffs to break this, uh, break that long-standing playoff drought. And uh, they backed their way into it, but but they they got it done. Really, not with the help with with Benjamin. This year, it's different. This year, they need to push forward farther than what they've gotten to. They set the terms at the beginning of the year by saying they need to show that they can win the division. And they and like you said, they have a fantastic opportunity to do it this year. The best that they've had since really uh, Tom Brady took over and the turn of the century, which is ridiculous to think about, as you also pointed out. So because of that, and because there is a strong likelihood that they could even have a home playoff game with the potential to win that home playoff game. 
and do something that they haven't done since 1995, which is win a playoff game. They need to be able to put themselves in the right spot. And they're not going to find these players in free agency. They're not going to find them on the roster. They're not just going to magically appear. This is a critical juncture of the season for Bean to where he has an opportunity to potentially bring in a piece that can help permeate success throughout the rest of his defense. On offense, I think they're probably looking at it going, we're good here. You know, maybe you can make an argument for a tight end, but it just kind of seems overkill with how little they target the tight ends or how little Josh Allen targets the tight ends since he's been in the league. And then with how much success they've had with their passing attack with their receivers and backs. So so I, I get I get the logic a little bit, but I tend to go toward defense because they just they they just have so many question marks. And I keep coming back to that one technique defensive tackle spot. You can look at nickel corner, which you can definitely make an argument for. They have to do something to help them along here because it hasn't been right. It hasn't been good. um, And they're not going to play the Jets every single week. So this opportunity is one they have to take advantage of responsibly, albeit. But a player like Tomlinson, a player like Brian Poole, um, who would be a cheap addition, the nickel corner for the Jets. A player like Desmond King, a cheap nickel corner for from the Chargers that's on the final year of his rookie deal. They're just There are a lot of options where players are on that final year and you're only paying them half of their base salary for the season and you can fit it in under your salary cap. And if that's costing you a fifth or a fourth in 2022, then you do it. And you don't regret it. You, you, don't, you don't look back and go, you know what? I wish I, I really had that fourth round pick this year. No. If, if it's a first or second round pick, then maybe we're talking. Maybe a third. But if it's a day three pick, who are we kidding here? Just just dish out the pick. Take advantage of your window. And and figure it out um, in 2021. Yeah, I don't think they want to be the type of team that's dealing another first round pick. Um Unless there's just a rare opportunity, um, uh, you know, a player that could be a cornerstone player like Stefan Diggs was in the spring. But Brandon Bean doesn't strike me as the type who would be particularly comfortable not having his first round pick two straight seasons. But then again, this is going to be a weird draft. That's kind of another thing here is like if you have to give up a fourth round pick. Is the day three of the draft going to be even more of a crapshoot this year because half the teams in college football, um, you know, either started late or aren't playing and you have guys that opted out, you have shortened schedules. It's just a different year. And that might make it harder to project this draft class uh, than ever before. At least last year that Mm -hmm. you were, you know, judging a whole season's worth of tape, a normal season's worth of tape. Yeah, the the pre-draft process got cut short a little bit, but it was relatively normal in a lot of ways, this year is going to be even more strange uh, from a scouting standpoint. They're not able to do as much uh, in terms of being on the road. So maybe the pick isn't as valuable and the team that recognizes that or the team that leverages that uh, into a proven player uh, might be pretty wise for doing so. And yeah, you know, maybe it's not a long-term fix, but man, if Dalvin Tomlinson can, you know, help in a measurable way at that spot which he most likely can as long as he doesn't you know come here and 
fall flat on his face, that makes a lot of people better. It probably makes Tremaine Edmonds better. Um, it probably makes you know everybody on the defensive line better. And like you said, maybe it's a, a case where they could recoup a, a pick by if you have somebody you feel comfortable trading Harrison Phillips um, or you're able to you know get a late round pick for Trent Murphy. So I don't know. There's um, there's options, and I'm sure Brandon Bean is exploring all of them. The people that ask the question, like, are the Bills even making calls on these guys? I'm sure they're making calls. Uh, I'm sure that it's it's not the case. It's just that they're being selective and and very targeted about where they're, um, you know, kind of putting their energy and, and what they what they need. Um, I think it's like you said, they could make an addition on offense. I just don't know that it's worth it. Uh, Tyler Croft has been fine. He hasn't been great. Um, Dawson Knox, when he gets back, they still believe in his potential and, and maybe he, you know, can get it going. But like you said, they're spreading the ball around so much in this offense and they have so many receivers to get the ball to a tight end might not make that much of an impact. You know, are you expecting that guy to come in and immediately click with Josh Allen? It's not like they're, they have a shortage of weapons on offense. That's not the problem with this team. Uh, they need to get healthy on the offensive line and that's about it. Um, and so I, I think they're set there, but a, a few spots on defense, might make the difference uh, in shoring up this unit and, and getting it back closer to what it was in 2019. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think that's a great segue into the next discussion because while we both view the Bills as potentially buyers and one that should make a move to help them defensively, there's also the issue of recouping some some picks and and some other things by trading some of the assets that they have that that still have value that they would be willing to trade. And the two that top the list, you you just kind of talked about it in, in the last one. It's it's two names that we've brought up in the past, so they shouldn't be any surprise. But you look at Trent Murphy, the defensive end, and Harrison Phillips, the defensive tackle. Phillips has essentially been taken out of the rotation. And maybe he gets back in against the Patriots uh, because the Patriots might go run heavy. But even, even then, they've clearly shown that they don't really trust him as a run defender right now, not in that one technique role. And to be honest, Justin Zimmer has far outplayed him. Uh, and that's that's kind of a, a damning factor to Phillips standing on the team right now. I think the more intriguing one to discuss, though, is Trent Murphy, because 
ESPN's Dan Graziano reported earlier in the week that uh, Trent Murphy was one of a few different veteran defensive ends that were being discussed in potential trades around the league this week, which, you know, you, you have to, you have to wonder what the bills could get and what they gain by doing something like this. There's a couple of things that have happened. First and foremost, uh, Trent Murphy has shown himself to be mostly a non-factor as a pass rusher. He had a nice spin move against the Jets that that got a pressure, but outside of that and maybe a, a one or two moments in the first week, it just hasn't been there for him. And they, of course, made him a healthy scratch against the Chiefs, which was an even bigger sign among anything. So you have that. You have A.J. Epinesa, who's starting to play a bit better. Daryl Johnson, who I think has been pretty underrated um, for the snaps that he's, the minimal snaps that he's brought to the table, where you might want to think about getting those two guys on the field a bit more, because right now those two guys are better pass rushers than Trent Murphy. Um, Maybe Epinesa not as much as Johnson, but, you know, nonetheless, there's more potential there with Epinesa. And then on top of it all, you have Murphy, who is on an expiring deal. And they can still save by trading him on deadline day about three and a half million dollars on the cap, which they can then either utilize in bringing in a an expiring contract of their own on trade deadline or by rolling that over into 2021, which they sorely need. And there's a lot of benefits to doing that because obviously you you laid it out near the beginning of the pod. You have all of these different... Uh, you have all of these different players that you would think about cutting, whether it be John Brown save eight million, Quentin Jefferson save five million, um, Vernon Butler save around the same, uh, Lee Smith, which they'll probably cut anyway, save about two and a half million. There, there's a lot of different options to do that, but I don't think that they want to hit that so many times that it completely empties their roster of talent. And there's two major free agents of their own that they need to re-sign next year, which are Matt Milano, who we have just seen the value of him in this defense soar when he wasn't on the field. And then you have uh, John Feliciano, who they are so publicly in love with about his leadership, his his strength, his, uh, his tenacity, his versatility. He is their quintessential leader um, in that offensive line room. And so you have those two players that you need to resign. Right now, you have only about $6 million in cap space for 2021. Milano is probably going to cost $10 plus million. Feliciano is going to cost at least $5 plus million. So something's got to give here. And that thing, because they have so much defensive line depth, should be Murphy and they could save all those save all that money is it going to be a short-term loss of a, a solid run defender yes is the three and a half million and potentially re-signing someone more worth than him being on the roster for eight games in the playoffs yes at least it is in my opinion and this just completely underscores the point that they should have just cut him in the first place like why go through this song and dance 
have him for half the season, have him prove all of the previous thoughts about him, that him not being a, a good enough pass rusher for this team to be on the field on on quality downs for you uh, to the point where you're healthy scratching him. Like, it's just a complete misfire in my mind. They haven't had a lot of these, but this one, to me, was a misfire by by this staff because they thought they were close. They thought that, uh, that you know, they could get along and that, they, they needed him because Epinesa wasn't quite there or because that they didn't have a one-technique defensive tackle and Quentin Jefferson had to fill in on the inside. But no matter what, that's a, a missed opportunity that's gone. So now for them, they have to try and recoup that by trading him for maybe pennies on the dollar, maybe a late-round pick. But in the end, that would probably be worth it of, of, of all else. Yeah, it feels like they wouldn't get much more than like a sixth-round pick seventh round pick yeah. for Trent Murphy. Yeah. Uh, you're basically giving him away to, to get the money back. And I, I think the, the problem with the whole Trent Murphy situation is, is like, I, I understood keeping him in some ways. Like I, I got it, but like the problem is if you're going to make him inactive for a really important game against the chiefs, you kind of wipe out all the logic that I could see beforehand, right? Like he hasn't become, yeah, there's no point. He, right. he hasn't become a worse player. He hasn't become a different player. He hasn't fallen off a cliff. He's playing like he always plays. He's, he's the type of player that the bills have had for the last few years. Um, he gets, you know, the occasional effort sack. He he can, you know, bust out the occasional decent pass rush move and put some pressure on the quarterback. He's going to help other guys get pressure by the way that, you know, he plays uh, in a in a very heads-up, smart uh, way like he does, very technically sound, and he's good against the run. If that was going to be not good enough for you to play him against the Chiefs, you're supposed to be building your team to beat the Chiefs, to beat you know, mm-hmm. the, the Titans to beat these, you know, elite teams in the AFC. And so it, it's just something that they should have seen coming. Um, like I said, they wouldn't have been doing their job if they weren't preparing for the Chiefs in some fashion in the offseason as a coaching staff, as a front office, because that's the team you're chasing, not just this year, but every year for the next 10 years, uh, it feels like, with Patrick Mahomes. So, if he wasn't good enough or wasn't the right fit or wasn't giving you the quote unquote best chance to win in that game, then he probably isn't worth the money because you take the money out of it. And of course you want Trent Murphy. Like he's a pretty decent player, yeah. but like you can't take the money out of it because they, they're no longer in a position. They used to be in that position where, you know, we used to, you know, say to people like, don't worry what they're spending. They have tons of cap space. Um, and, you know, on some of the shorter term contracts, even a Trent Murphy for a while, it didn't really matter. Like, oh, they overpaid for Trent Murphy. People were, you know, crushing the guy in his first couple of years. And it's like, it doesn't matter that they overpaid. Like, they are they have more cap space and they know what to do with him. By the time they need it, they can cut him. But they didn't. <laughs> they missed the window. And now it's, you know, trying to recoup what they can out of him. But still kind of mm-hmm. a, a situation where... um I don't think he is sorely needed on this defensive line, especially as AJ Epinesa comes along a little bit more. And if you can move Quentin Jefferson outside uh, occasionally, they've already kind of tightened the rotation on the defensive line. It feels like if you can get something, you should, especially if it can lead to another move, uh, swap him out and bring a one technique in. Or like you said, if it's Mm -hmm. the first domino toward 
re-signing uh you know someone important you know be it john feliciano daryl williams or matt milano that's uh i forgot about daryl williams it, yeah daryl <laughs> williams another huge is uh, look i know he could be a guy that costs a lot of money the way he's playing but man if he he's still young if he could be a long-term answer mm-hmm. at right tackle that's a big deal and that's a nice find and um, you know, they've ha- you don't want to waste that. Um, it's not easy to, to necessarily find a right tackle. They spent a second round pick on one and already moved him inside to guard. So, um, yeah, I think he's, he's somebody that, that needs to be considered here as well, maybe even as a priority. So as it stands right now, I think you can maybe only afford to keep two of the three without some significant moves. Um, but every little bit of money counts and that's where, um, you know, having the extra from Trent Murphy would have been nice. I mean, it's just, it, it was just a such a short-sighted move. And I think what what I appreciate about Brandon Bean's uh, philosophy the most is that he usually always has a long-term thing in mind when he's making these moves, whether it be setting up the salaries to fall off at a certain time uh, where you're going to re- need to re-sign someone of your own. That kind of got blown up a little bit based on um, Latulale getting uh, opting out here, but be it as it may, I mean, that's the way he's been kind of structuring his team and structuring his building. And it just seemed like this was such a massive missed opportunity for him. And I know, I, I've i been screaming about cutting Trent Murphy for I don't know, basically the entire time the pandemic has been happening. Um, but it just made sense. It's because it's about logic. It's about roster building. It's about, and it, it only made the point stronger when the salary cap floor was established that it could go down as much as $22.5 million from this year. That is a lot, especially with where the bills are at this point of their, of their uh, build and what they're trying to do and how they can continue this window past just this season. The the point I had been making all off season was just what is more important? 40 to 45% of defensive snaps to Trent Murphy or re-signing Matt Milano, re-signing John Feliciano and even now re-signing Daryl Williams. Like it just that that logic to me never added up. They weren't going to re-sign Murphy. It it's just it's just kind of a, a missed opportunity. That's that's the best way I can describe it. So now what do they do? They have to hope that they have a buyer. Um, and the interesting element to this, specifically relating to this weekend, and I I, I wrote about this for in my five thoughts um, column leading up to this Bills Patriots game, is that Trent Murphy would probably be a great asset for this game in particular because. You have the Patriots. They're struggling to throw the ball. They're going to be without Julian Edelman. They'll probably be without Enkeel Harry. Their only receivers available to them right now are Damier Bird, um, Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Olszewski, uh, Matthew Slater, who's mostly a special teams guy. And then they've got three practice squad receivers. for, <laughs> And then two tight ends in Ryan Izzo and Dalton Keene that really haven't made much of an impact at all. And I guess you can lump James White into this as a pass catching back, but still, everything is pointing with the with the high winds, uh, the the crappy weather on Sunday. Everything is pointing to the Patriots trying to get back to basics 
and to run the ball a ton this week. And what you want in those matchups, you want your best run defenders, which, you know, Murphy has his failings as a pass rusher, but as a run defender, he's good. He's he's probably the second best defensive end at it behind Mario Addison. So the trouble, though, is that is a risk because if you play him in this game and he gets hurt, you have no option of recouping that three and a half million dollars on this year's cap rolling it over to next year's cap you have no option of getting a pick for that player so i guess they just have to weigh what is most important beating the patriots in one week of the season and potentially losing a tradable asset and and a substantial amount of cap room to re-sign one of your players or to just sit him not take the risk and then hope that Epinesa and Daryl Johnson can pick up the slack. Yeah, it's it's interesting because particularly against the Patriots, a team that will use misdirection and will use, you know, a lot of tricks to get, you know, your eyes in the wrong place as a defensive player. Th- those are the games that Trent Murphy's good in. Um, and those are the games where he's a, a, a real asset and run defense. But yeah, if he if he especially in sloppy conditions potentially um, turns an ankle, even if it's a short-term injury, mm-hmm. teams aren't going to be interested in, in trading for a banged-up, expensive, uh, older defensive end. So they might not be all that interested as it is. His name might be getting floated out there, but that doesn't mean teams are interested. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's a balancing act. This game is huge. You know, giving the Patriots life um, could be a problem for the Bills. The, the division swings in a big way with this game the bills are still in control even if they lose but if they win they've basically locked it up um you know not mathematically but man would that be a colossal collapse if they uh found a way to lose it after being six and two with the patriots at two and five at that point it'd be the dolphins who have a better chance to catch them than the patriots so yeah it's it's probably the constant struggle that happens not just in the bills building but in NFL buildings around the league of a GM knowing maybe the smart move to make and a head coach probably wanting, you know, every week is the most important week, right? This is the most important game because it's the next game. And, you know, because of that, you want to field the best group each and every week, but there's also the, the roster building and the, uh, protect protecting assets portion, uh, of the decision-making process that needs to be taken into account. I will be very impressed if they end up making Trent Murphy a healthy scratch because that is thinking about more than just the week. But my gut is telling me he's going to play in this game because that's kind of, I mean, McDermott wants to win this game. It's a, like you said, it's a huge game. So it, while I believe it would be the more logical approach to, to do it, I think ultimately that that need to take a, a huge, huge victory in the scope of the AFC. Um, maybe in their mind, Trent Murphy defending the run is a key to that. You know, he's probably only going to get forty percent of the snaps, so I suppose that's that's not a it's not a huge risk for injury. But at the same time, it's still forty percent of snaps potentially. So you're 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 just kind of uh, you're risking it and and trying to see if you can uh, get that get that player through the game while having basically having your cake and eat it too here so yeah there's just a a lot of different elements to this 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so let's now move away from the trade deadline stuff because they do have a big game this weekend. And we, we've kind of touched on it a little bit with the Murphy stuff, the defending the run sort of thing. It's the Bills and the Patriots. Uh, let me let me go find the line because uh, the last I checked, it was four points. Um, the over-under dropped uh, significantly. Were, I think it, was, it yeah, dropped like I, six points, I think. From what it opened at. Yeah, so the over-under right now, uh, according to DK Sportsbook, is 41. And the Bills are favored by uh, four points. Uh, game totals, 22 for the 22 and a half for the Bills, 18 and a half for the Patriots. So there's, and according to the DK Sportsbook, the current projected weather is rain, 42 degrees, with a low of 33 and a 21 mile an hour wind. So, I think uh, that kind of all points us into one direction as as to how this game could go from from both their teams' perspectives. And um, by the way, this is the lowest point total of any game in the entire league this this week. So that uh, that tells you what what Vegas is thinking and and how people are betting this game. So Patriots game, um, who you got? Who who covers the spread? And heck, throw an over under in there as well. Isn't it just a, a nice, warm, cozy feeling? The Bills are p- playing at one o'clock on a Sunday. Their over under is the lowest of any team in the, you know any game in the league. Uh, <laughs> it just right. feels all so familiar, and uh, it's nice sometimes. But the flip side <laughs> is they have the more explosive offense. Right? They have right the now. well. They're favored. <laughs> that, you know, there's so many things that are weird about 2020 and the Bills. They're way up in the division in October. Uh, it'll be, you know, November by the time they take the field. But um, there's a lot of weird things about this year, but, you know, a few few nice mm-hmm. little familiar aspects to this game. I have the Patriots winning this game. Um, it, it might just be a reflex, um, admittedly. It might just be this idea that every time people talk about the Patriots being dead, every time they talk about this being it and the, the the run is over they find a way to to get a win and i don't know if they're necessarily a contender long term in the season the patriots that is but early in the season they looked like a team that was going to compete with just about everybody and they had a weird few weeks uh, you think the bills had a weird few weeks it was worse for the patriots uh they had their quarterback test positive they had their 
uh, reigning defensive player of the year, test positive for COVID. Uh, they went a few weeks without practicing. Uh, so they had a, a significant disruption to their season uh, because of COVID. And I think that's skewing, you know, people are probably sick of hearing me say like about the Bills that it's never as bad or never as good as it looks. It's true of every team. And it's true of, you know, this being such a matchup league that you can look great against one team and lousy against the next because of how you match up. And because of the way this game could play out, you know, the idea that Julian Edelman isn't playing probably isn't even that big of a deal because it's going to be such a run heavy game. And the bills have struggled to defend the run. They've struggled with teams that can use misdirection and, uh, you know, play around with the linebackers eyes a little bit. Uh, And I just feel like, I have a similar feeling heading into this game as I did heading into the Bills game against the Eagles last year. Um, If you remember the way people were talking about the Eagles heading into that game, it was similar. There was um, even, you know, ex-players talking, you know, trash about guys in the locker room. There was a whole bunch of uh, potential distractions going on for the Eagles, and they sort of rallied together and were able to scrape out a win. And in that game, it was very windy and it was a run, you know, it was a run heavy approach and they kind of ran all over the bills. Granted, uh, that was a blowout. That was 31, 13 Eagles. I don't think this will be a blowout. I've got it 21, 17 Patriots. So I've got the Patriots covering the spread. I've got the under, but I just have, I have a feeling about the Patriots. Why I'm not entirely sure. I think they have the run offense to, to take advantage of Buffalo and that defense will have a plan for Josh Allen, and the weather might help them out too. So until I see Sean McDermott and Josh Allen beat Bill Belichick, um, it's it's hard for me to pick against the Patriots. All right. Um, well, for the third time, and by the way, all of those are good points, ones that you have to you have to um, take into consideration, and and certainly it's going to be a close game, or at least it should be. But for the uh, I think only the third time this season uh, you and I are going to disagree on the outcome of the game. Uh, I have the Bills winning this game, uh, albeit in a tight fashion, but there are certain elements to this matchup that I think uh, can swing into the Bills' favor. I think the defensively, the Bills are going to approach this game very similarly to the way that they approached the Ravens game last year, where Cam Newton is probably right after Lamar Jackson as being the most deceptive zone read quarterback in the game. And it, it, he's, he's so much fun to watch doing it too because he has just these super long arms where he basically extends them the, the whole way, makes the defender on the edge basically think that the ball has been handed off already. And then at the just the last second, the the opportune moment where he has to make that decision, he usually makes the right one. And if that if that edge defender is not seeing the ball properly and not seeing what Cam Newton is actually doing with it and doesn't have the eye discipline that we heard so much about during that Ravens week last last year, then then that could create some problems. But I think that will be a heavy point of emphasis for the Bills in this game and certainly the defensive tackles are going to have to be on their game 
But they do have one thing going in their favor, which I believe will be the full return of Matt Milano. They made him available to the media this week. I mean, he's practicing a non-contact jersey um, throughout the first couple of days, but it just seems like Milano is trending toward becoming an every-down player. And this will probably be a game where we see a lot of A.J. Klein, too, where the Patriots are going to force the Bills into a uh, a three-linebacker set just to keep a weakness, which is Klein, on the field as much as possible. I mean, that's what kind of what Belichick does. But I do think the Bills have enough defensively with the addition of Milano, uh, with Jordan Poyer filling in. Uh, Taron Johnson, Johnson, while he's had his struggles in coverage, is a good run defender. So you have all of these elements that are going to work as long as Jerry Hughes reads um, his, uh, I'm going to rhyme awkwardly, cues, um, then then he'll be okay. Addison is a good run defender against the zone read. Uh, and certainly the Patriots have a good offensive line, so they're, they're going to be tested. Basically, this is a long-winded point to say the Bills are going to be fully prepared for a, a run-heavy attack and the zone read. Um, and while the Patriots will have some success and probably limit the amount of possessions in this game, which will drive the point total down, I think the Bills defensively will have enough to be able to thwart the drives, where if they force some third and longs, I just do not trust the Patriots' offense to be able to convert on third and six, third and seven, and and above. Uh, certainly not with Cam Newton's mechanics right now. Defend, uh, flipping the things, if you ha- from a Bills' offensive perspective, I think Diggs can win against Stephon Gilmore. It's going to be man-to-man. Maybe, maybe the Patriots try to bracket him, but... I think Diggs is a superior route runner to what Gilmore is as as a cover man or what he's shown to be so far this season. So I think there will be some opportunities there, probably some shorter stuff because you don't want to mess with the wind too much. But but yeah, I think I think the Bills will have be able to have some success through the air. So in total, I have the Bills winning 20 to 19, maybe a late field goal, maybe the, it's the Patriots scoring four field goals. Uh, or or having 13 points and then and then uh, or having yeah having four field goals and uh, I don't even know just 20 to 19, um, which would be the Patriots covering and the under. So so yeah, sorry for the long windedness, but uh, it was a kind of a a nuanced point. Um, but yeah, Bills over the Patriots. Matt's got Patriots over the Bills. Should be interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be like I said, one of those games that will swing how you feel about this Bills team. And I know that the satisfaction of beating Tom Brady is gone. Um, that opportunity has passed uh, without you know ever really upending him in the division. But there's no apologies to be made for uh, winning the division when Tom Brady leaves. Uh, that's what the Patriots did mm-hmm. when when Dan Marino and Jim Kelly left. So um, you, you kind of... It's what the Dolphins did when Tom Brady got, got right. hurt. Yeah, you, you, there's... Uh, it, it Does it take some of the, the shine off of it? Sure. But winning a division is winning a division. It's not, not the easiest thing, even if uh, the Patriots are, are down on their luck and the rest of the division is in a transition mode. But they'll take what they can get, and this game will go a long way towards... Uh, you know, the, the, the Patriots are kind of on their last breath right now. It feels like if, if the Bills can get this win, it'll be uh, kind of a, a knockout blow in some ways, especially right before the trading yeah. deadline. There's rumblings. Two that, and five, potentially. Yeah, there's rumblings that the Patriots could be trading a lot of players. You give them life and get them back to three and four, 
all of a sudden with the way that the schedule shapes up, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're, you know, right there. Um, so this is a, a really, really big game and it'll be a fun one to watch, even if it is going to be a bit of a throwback, uh, sloppy football on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to count those as your fond words of farewell. I'm not going to try and uh, they were, to those were try my and, fond uh, words of farewell. <laughs> I didn't know my if closing you monologue hammer in Blaine, Blaine Gabbert in there somewhere, but you know, I, I suppose I just did it for you. Um, all right. So that'll do it for us. Uh, the next time we will speak with you all will be after the bills Patriots game. And we'll see if the bills can finish the first half of the season with a six and two record with three division wins. And no, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Four division wins. Wow, I, I totally forgot about the Miami game. And trying to see if they can put a stamp on this AFC East division um, before getting into the second half of the season. All right, so thank you all for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. If you haven't yet, please subscribe over to The Athletic. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat for a uh, decreased rate on your yearly subscription. Uh, it's a good deal, so go ahead and jump on in. You can find all things bills that both Matthew and I write about, whether it's the All-22 breakdown that I do every every week, or or Matthew's game rewatch, or his features, or um, and now his, his, uh, his mailbag that he's done the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's all good stuff, and then you get uh, any other team you could ever want to read about as well. So... For Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you on Sunday evening. See you then.